Oh, yeah, going all in on the Jays against KC this weekend. Start of a 10-game homestand. Kikuchi, Gosman, and Barrios over the next three days of starting pitchers to help us understand what the heck could happen here. Josh Goldberg is here, host of the DFA podcast. Josh, welcome. How are you today, sir? I'm good, Jim. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. So Bichette was added to the roster, so he's back. We, we, I guess we could assume he would play tonight, but, boy, timing is good on that, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it really is. Um, you know, the Blue Jays have done a pretty good job uh, over the last couple of weeks without him and without Matt Chapman scoring runs. Uh, they've been better with runners in scoring position. But, uh, you know, that's relying on uh, a number of AAA players or call-ups in the lineup. I don't know how sustainable it necessarily is to expect to produce um, offensively at a high clip with that type of roster construction. So getting an all-star shortstop and uh, the guy who was leading the American League in hits before he got hurt is obviously a huge boost to the lineup. He's become the most important, uh, indispensable player on the team. And, yeah, it obviously comes at a really important time. We're firmly into September. The Blue Jays are in a playoff spot. After this weekend series against Kansas City, the schedule gets really tough, and there's not going to be any easy series or any easy game. So to have your best player back in the lineup is obviously big for that stretch. Josh, i got a couple of questions here that, that deal with perspective. Uh, bigger storyline this season for you, lack of power or struggles with runners in scoring position? Uh, I think, honestly, the lack of power. They, they kind of go hand in hand because, um, a lot of times if you're struggling with runners in scoring position, if you can hit home runs and not rely on stringing a bunch of hits together, that can mask some of the batting average deficiencies you might have with runners in scoring position. And I understand that the loss of Teoscar Hernandez and the loss to some extent of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. were you were expecting maybe some regression in offensive production and power production, but a lot of it can be tied to the fact that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has 21 home runs. George Springer's not having a huge power season. Even Brandon Belt, who has been really good since the beginning of May, hasn't hit a ton of home runs. Dalton Varsho hasn't hit many home runs. Alejandro Kirk hasn't hit many home runs. That wasn't expected. Even some regression from some of those guys, you still figure that this would be a top 10 power hitting team in the league, and that just hasn't come uh, to fruition at all. So I, I would say that that's been the more surprising one, but the more frustrating one has certainly been runners in scoring position. You figure uh, a good offensive team will figure that out over the course of a long season, and they sort of have since the beginning of August, but by and large, their season-long numbers with uh, runners in scoring position in terms of batting average still aren't great. So that's the more frustrating one, but the more surprising one for me that I think has really been uh, a big reason why they have struggled at times has been their inability to really be a consistent home run hitting team. Yeah, consistency is, is the problem pretty well throughout the roster. I'm going to throw this at you. I haven't heard anybody say this. I don't have the home and away splits, but it is supposed to be easier to hit a home run in that ballpark, isn't it? I It's been really strange. I, I didn't think that it was going to have a huge discernible difference one way or the other, and it has for them. But interestingly, it hasn't for their opponents. You look at historically a home run rates for visiting teams at uh, Rogers Center Skydome, uh, they're not that much different this year for road teams as they have been in the past. It's the Blue Jays that have really struggled. Their slugging percentage, their OPS has just 
not been the same at home this year. And it's really hard to put a, a finger on it. Is it, are they compensating for the changes in dimensions and trying to get the ball in the air more to certain parts of the ballpark because the fence is higher? Maybe that's it. Are they pressing more because the crowd has consistently been there feeling more pressure to perform in front of what has routinely been a pretty full house? Maybe that's part of it as well, but I don't really have a good explanation for it. It's really been one of the most strange developments of the season, and I don't know if it's something that you can really take and glean much of, uh, much from year to year. Like It wouldn't surprise me at all if they hit more home runs next season at home. A lot of this season just feels very outlier heavy that it's just this weird, um, you know, kind of, combination of things that have all happened at the same time and maybe next year potentially likely next year a lot of what has happened this year regresses in a positive fashion and a lot of the things that have plagued this team from an offensive perspective don't next year yeah i totally agree with that and in fact i would i'm going to throw this at you to get your response i would suggest to you regardless of what happens or doesn't happen the rest of this season not a lot of tweaks going on with this roster in the off season would you agree I, I think that there is a lot to be said from that. Like, I, I don't think that if the Jays don't make the playoffs this year, I won't say, sit here and say that it's a, anything approaching success. It's a failure. The expectations were very high. And to miss the playoffs firmly in your window to win with a lot of veteran moves made to try and uh, really put them in a position to, to win right now, that wouldn't be good. But yeah, there are going to be some veterans that are going to need to be either replaced or brought back, but I don't think that you're looking at significant changes to the existing group here. You're not trading Bo Bichette. You're not trading Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because his value isn't going to be particularly high. It just wouldn't make a ton of sense. You know, there's a lot of guys that I just think right now their best fit is for the Blue Jays because if you were to dangle them on the trade market, I don't think that you would necessarily love the return that might be available for some of these particular players. So I do tend to agree with you. Um, I, I think that the lion's share of the roster is going to be similar or exactly the same next year, and you're just counting on uh, the existing group being better than what it has been this year and maybe resembling more of the team that it was in 2021 and obviously last year as well. So much anticipation schedule-wise because uh, Monday it's Texas for four. Um, and, and so they won two out of three against the Rockies and against Oakland on the road and, and maybe win three at home to Casey or maybe two. Uh, and, but I, I don't know what you can take out of that because really it's what happens from Texas on that matters, isn't it? Yeah, you just need to win the series this weekend. Sweep would be great. Two out of three would be fine, maybe a bit disappointing. Anything worse would obviously be really bad. But the the season was always, to me, going to come down to can the Blue Jays just play better against the teams in their division? That's not to say that they're going to win the division because they're not. Baltimore, uh, by and large, will. But they still have the last two weeks of the season, two and a half weeks of the season, are exclusively teams in the American League East. Three against the Red Sox, and then they're alternating uh, road trips and home stands with the Yankees and Rays in that order. So uh, you're talking about a bunch of games against teams in the division, and the Jays are well below 500. We know that the struggles have been prominent against American League East opponents. And uh, I think it's fitting. If they want to make the playoffs, they have to find a way to play better against good teams. I understand that the Red Sox and the Yankees 
uh, have had struggles, especially the Yankees. But there's still enough talent on those teams, and we've seen it at stretches this year. Boston owned the Jays for a while before they swept them in the last time, uh, the last series they played. They haven't seen the Yankees since early in the season, but they've split a couple of series. And the Jays don't play sharp baseball. They're very much at risk of having their season go up into smoke. Uh, the sort of the same way that it has so far this year, not taking care of business against teams in the division. Josh, uh, I'm told that on a recent podcast you compared this team to the 2016 team. Um, I might say there's no Bautista, or or the Bautista in this team hasn't revealed himself yet. What, what do you think of that? Oh, I think that there's there's not really that um, kind of proven, tested metal of winning baseball that 2015 sort of established. You know, we we might be quick to forget that this Blue Jays group hasn't won a playoff game. Uh, so far, they got swept in 2020, they got swept last year, and they didn't make the playoffs in 2021. So it's not the same in the sense that you have that uh, not necessarily championship winning experience or DNA, but battle tested playoff proven DNA that the 2015 team had. It was more the comparison that I understand Alec Manoa hasn't been a constant, but there have been a lot of uh, consistent performers out of the pitching staff in the bullpen, which was the case in 2016. And it was a team that was expected to really produce offensively that didn't. Uh, That 2016 team, there were still guys who put up big years, but they were nowhere near as imposing as they were in 2015. They struggled, they slumped, they had to grind out a lot of games, and they made the playoffs on the last weekend of the season at Fenway Park in a pretty nip-and-tuck, low-scoring game. And I think that um, by and large, that's probably what the Blue Jays of 2023 are looking at. You know, maybe here and there, there are going to be games where you can explode for six, seven, eight runs, something like that, win comfortably. But we have more than 130 games of sample size that say that's further and fewer between, and they're going to have to rely on their pitching and their bullpen and their defense to get it done. So I think, you know, if you're expecting anything other than a stressful last three weeks or so of the season, uh, you're probably in for a rude awakening. What would your be what would your assessment be of John Schneider's job as a manager this year? Uh, I think it's a mixed bag. You could say this about any manager. I think that um, all fans and all sports are probably guilty of it. You have this tunnel vision watching only the team that you like, that you're a fan of. And the, the bad decisions are more glaring because you have, just that's all you're looking at. Every team has stretches, games, decisions, X's and O's type things that don't go their way, that you push the wrong button. John Schneider has definitely had some some rocky moments this year, whether it's uh, giving players days off in weird times, bullpen machinations, lineup deployment. That happens in the course of a long season. I, I think that he's a fine manager. I don't think he's really making the big difference in in the big spots. I think that uh, if this team will go as far or not as far on the backs of their players, and I would say that about any major league team. Like, I don't think that the Yankees were winning all those World Series because Joe Torre, um, you know, had this magical power. I just think it was such a dominant team, and maybe he connected or had his finger on the pulse in the right way of that, that clubhouse. I think that that has some importance, too, as a manager. But I don't think that, you know, John Schneider's deficiencies or strengths are really making that 
tremendous of an impact on what the Blue Jays have or haven't accomplished so far this season or what they may be able to accomplish the rest of the way. Josh, uh, one more before we go. Kind of a tough question, but uh, what would define success for this team this year? Forget about the fact that they have to claw their way into the playoffs, and but just going with what's, what that roster is capable of, what would be a successful finish? I think, again, to draw a parallel to 2016, and you think about the Phillies last year, the Braves two years ago. I'm not saying that this Blue Jays team's making it to or winning the World Series, but you can put a, a kind of crappy regular season in the rearview mirror if you just get into the playoffs and then go on a bit of a run. And for me, that's making it to, at the very least, the division series, winning a playoff series. But, you know, if this team makes it to the American League Championship Series, that's a huge success considering where they are right now and even the preseason expectations. I think winning playoff games, winning at least one, if not two playoff series would be a success. Anything below that, I think you can feel disappointed. And like I said, if they don't make the playoffs, then it's fair to categorize this as, if not a disaster, then then pretty close to that. Josh, thanks very much. Enjoy your weekend. Jim, appreciate it. Enjoy that. Thank you. Josh Goldberg, uh, the host of the DFA podcast.